Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. All right. So this episode kicks off our deep dive series into the individual characters from The Handmaid's Tale television show. It would be a travesty to start with anyone but our heroine, June Osborne. And I hope it goes without saying that everything we ever discuss on this podcast is just our own opinions. And we respect that other fans will often have completely different opinions and we would love to hear them. Find us on social media where we post daily. For now, though, let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Tina. Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Mary Gold. And I'm Kate. First things first, huge congratulations to all of the writers out there. The WGA negotiated what I've been told is an amazing deal. And The Handmaid's Tale's own co-showrunner of season six, Yalin Chang, was on the negotiating committee. She's amazing. All the guild members are amazing for the sacrifices they made this year. And we have mad respect for you all. Congratulations. And we're also selfishly very excited for you to get back to work on the final season. SAG-AFTRA is still striking, though, so it's not over until everybody gets what they deserve from the studios, but we're so happy for all the screenwriters out there. All right, we thought we'd kick these episodes off with everyone saying a little summary of why they like or dislike the character, but we can't talk about June and what we love about her without talking about Elizabeth Moss first. I read The Handmaid's Tale a very long time ago, it seems, and enjoyed the character of June immensely, but Lizzie breathed a life into her that my imagination fell well short of while reading the book. June instantly became one of my favorite screen characters due to Lizzie's incredible acting and not just verbal, but in how much story she relays in between the words, the way that she can switch from peaceful to murderous in an instant on the show. And she can show that to us without speaking a single word. And by all accounts, she also goes from cheerful, funny, real life Lizzie on set to seething with rage June in an instant and then right back. And it's all baffling to me, but we so appreciate everything she puts into this performance. And it's no surprise she earns an Emmy nomination every single year. She's just incredible. All right, on to non-Lizzie reasons we love June. Melissa, do you want to start? Can we talk about how tough she is? Like, she faces physicality, torture, or physical torture, uh, more than once, and survive. And also, I think she has... A strong mentality. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, episode one, I think she wasn't so strong. Like, not because she wasn't strong, but because she didn't know she was strong. I don't know if you get my point. Yeah. I think that's what is so compelling about going on this journey with her, is what you're saying. Because she grew into a totally different person. And yeah, so strong. (laughs) The things that she's gone through, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, like, Melissa, like, I feel like she is so tough, like, yeah, with, like, the physical, like, torture. But then, like, as soon as it starts to involve somebody else that she loves, like, handmaids or Hannah, like, she's just so tenacious. And, like, you know, I don't know if I I would be able to hold out, you know, information as they're torturing me. So it's really amazing. 
Yeah, she's so resilient. You know, all the stuff she goes through, Mm -hmm. you know, she goes through just so much shit, so much, like more than like five or six lifetimes worth of stuff. And just this short time we've been with her. And yet she's always able to overcome it somehow. So she is incredibly tough mentally and physically in a way i'm not sure i would be able to be like you said marigold no no i couldn't overcome one hundredth of the things she went through you know i mean like right yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'm just spinning through like small percentage of the trauma she went through in my head right now and i'm like nope i'm done i'm out like i always <laughs> think specifically about the end of season two think about how much she went through and like Less than like a day, basically. Like she saw Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hannah was ripped away from her. Then Nick was taken. Yeah, exactly. Then mm-hmm. she went into labor and had a baby all by herself and got recaptured and taken back into Gilead. Like then they took the baby. Yeah, that is enough for one lifetime. And that is just like one day in her life. And yet she still keeps going. Like I don't know how like it's incredible. Yeah, that was actually the same 24 hours I was going through in my head because yeah. obviously the nine-month rape of her that too. Was like oh my gosh. Things that I will never get out of my head and then going to give birth. Yeah. All the things you just said, like Jesus and losing another child. That's the one that like yeah. really kicks me, you know? Right. I mean, she ultimately gets her back and saves her and all that, yeah. but just the process of losing another child at that point, yeah. I don't see how you get out of bed and you don't just find a way to like finish yourself off, you know? Right. But she doesn't because she's amazing. That kind of um, leads into like what I really admire about her is like her sense of humor too. And like her like ability to like like, be light still with others. Because like, I mean, I I don't know how she can hold on to hope in those situations. But like, even just like, I'm thinking about like the moment when um, her and Nick were in the kitchen and they're talking about um, Holly playing in the sand. She still has that like light side to her or like the old Navy comment with Eden and and Nick. Like I just yeah. love those like little <laughs> quips that she has. Like I, I feel know. like yeah. she does it to like they're so funny. Kind of lift other people's like spirits too. And I, I love that about her. Yeah. Yeah. I love the sale at the old Navy. It's so good. And that's what I wrote too. I was I said that what drew me to her initially was her sense of humor and her voiceovers because I think that mm-hmm. probably most of us have a voice in our head a good percentage of the time making uh, comments on things you can't say out loud. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> yeah, Obviously, the shit going around her is so insane that it takes it up a whole notch. Although the shit going on around us, you know, I feel like we got more of that these days. But uh, nothing to the effect of Gilead yet. I'd like to keep it that way. And it's just incredible writing and and the right touch of sarcasm. And of course, Lizzie's delivery. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just her humor in the pilot drew me in and how kind of how obvious it was that there's this whole like real, normal, funny, cool human being hiding underneath the stupid bonnet and the red dress and that we could get to know that person slowly. Yeah. And like that kind of goes for Emily, too. It's like despite the horrors going on around them and the bleak darkness of Gilead, there are these little lights like hidden around, walking around that are like very dimmed, but, you know, they're there and then they get brighter as you get to know them for June, especially. But yeah, her sense of humor got me in the beginning. Yeah. That kind of goes with what I was going to say is her, um, you know, lightness, her capacity for love, how that never 
went away. I think it would have been very yeah. easily in Gilead to, you know, let love go and mm-hmm. kind of lean into the hatred and the darkness and the evil really in Gilead. Right. She never lost that. She still kept her ability to keep her love for Hannah, for Luke, for Moira, for all of the handmaids that she became friends with. Yeah. And I think you see it a lot with Janine. Yeah. Too, like in Gilead. I agree. You know, and then of course there's, you know, Nick and, you know, she never really let it, the darkness take hold in her I don't think you know right and anytime you know she did lead into that revenge it was against it felt natural it wasn't you know it she still had the ability like I said just to love she never lost that which is very commendable I think yeah amazing really and to be you know intimate yeah with Nick like I feel like I would never want another man to like come near me or touch me again and it's just very cool that she carved out this like piece of herself that's still fully like june and right if she feels safe enough you know you can access that she can access that yeah and i think that that yeah i agree and and i do like really like how she cares for janine and obviously doesn't <laughs> stone janine um <laughs> but you see her like worrying about her and talking to lydia like hey i think she's you can tell she's worrying about her mental like health at times. Yeah. More than her normal mental health concerns. Yeah. And alternately, I like when she insisted on stoning Fred. So Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Runs the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I like both sides of that coin. Her moral compass, I think, stayed very like for the true, most part. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah no, like, it did. I think yeah. that even when we get to her flaws, it's it's more like totally understandable because of right. the trauma she's been through. Yeah, I agree. You know, like if her worst crime is being selfish to exactly, you know, yeah, to the good guys, like okay, right, she's not like a villain out there, and you could be from how you were treated. Right, agree. Um, I have another thing that I think is very positive about um, June is that I feel like she can feel the weakness of the other people in Gilead. Yeah, she is quick to hone in on that. And then she becomes more defiant, and that's the way she gets things done. You're right. She's super smart about that. Identify their flaws. I think it's a very positive thing in Gilead, because do you remember when Lawrence in season three uh, described her like transactional? Yeah. I think uh, she was transactional because it's the way, it's the simplest um, way to survive in Gilead. Yes, I fully agree. And in any of those situations, like everything is is an exchange of what I have that you need. Right. And what she has is very limited. So she has to identify what she can possibly come up with. And it's not, you know, the normal world things. Exactly. And she's very good at that. You're right. It's a great survival instinct for Gilead. Yeah, yeah, and I think that no one is selfless while they need to survive. Not even Gilead, uh, they seek for the common good. Yeah, you know, everyone wants something in exchange, power or whatever. Yeah. you know, she's trying to survive. I was thinking of that earlier today too. That line from Lawrence. I don't know that I was thinking of it as positively as you are, but I was thinking, yeah, she is really transactional. <laughs> he was right, but she has to, be to survive. You're right. That's how she becomes so transactional. But she's also like really great at finding that little flame of goodness in people too, you know, and fanning that. Lawrence is obviously like the best example. Yeah, yeah. Those skills of hers are extremely admirable. I also love that she's not just like your cookie cutter, like perfect heroine. You know, she makes mistakes. 
Yeah. And stupid decisions like we all do. Yeah, I think I said her flaws make her feel human. You know, a human being is going to be selfish and make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like, yeah, that she's not perfect. It makes her relatable. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like when she makes those mistakes, like they're mostly from a place of love. Like, yeah, love for Hannah or, you know, mm-hmm. handmaids, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah, she's selfish, but I think she most of the time has the right intentions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yay, June. Something I I admire is, I don't want to say forgiveness because I don't think she's forgiven Serena, but her ability to work with someone, you know, that she has a lot of problems with, that's putting it lightly, for the greater good, like um, in season five. Like, I do not know that I would have been able to help Serena deliver her baby. You know, after all she put I her bet through. I you would have, but I know. I, I, I know. know what I'm saying. Like, it would have been very, very easy for her to say, you know what? You left me alone in a house. Or I was alone in a house and gave birth by myself. Right. You figure it out. Yeah. You know, here's what happened to me. And now it's going to happen to you because of you. So yeah. like I said, I don't want to call it forgiveness, but I don't know what to call it. I like that she was able to put the past aside for a moment, help deliver the baby. Yeah, she's very good at compartmentalizing. Compartment there, I guess maybe that's it. But like I said, I I mean, you're right. I probably would have helped. but You would have because of the baby. I think because that of the most baby. people would have yes. because of the baby. If she was sitting there like, I don't know, dying of thirst or something, you'd probably leave her. Maybe. But like I said, it was very, I like that she was able to be the bigger person, I guess, in that moment and put all of the stuff aside. Definitely. And help the baby be delivered. Yeah. I think that was very admirable of her in that moment. Yeah. And I don't think anybody would have judged her had she just been like, locked away. Bye. So, especially when when Serena, like the part of that scene that drove me the absolute like craziest was when June went to check if like the baby was coming out yet. Yeah. And like, Serena pushes her away violently for like coming near her private parts. Yeah. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, bitch? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that part pissed me off so much. Only the fact that there was a baby's life on the line would have kept me there. Yeah. At all at that point. I would not care at all if she died after that. But yeah, no, it is. And and in, even in like less extreme situations, she still puts it like she knows usually like she needs to. But working with Serena again in like season two, like she right. is able to put aside all of this trauma and abuse to the side to get whatever it is they're working on done. And like, obviously, like one of the beauties of the show is sometimes you got to work with people that you don't, mm-hmm. you know, that you were against last episode and you're going to be next episode or whatever. And it's like very compelling television. But yeah, she's just good at that and working with Lawrence. But, um, you know, she is able to put aside everything in a way that I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. It's a difficult thing to do, and she does it very well, I will say. Yes. Yeah. But again, I really liked when she insisted on stoning Fred to death, so. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're getting into more detailed stuff we'll be discussing in the next part. So let's just move into the chronological discussion of June's character. Although, admittedly, that part took longer than I thought it would, because June's an overall awesome character, hence this podcast's existence. So let's start with pre-Gilead June. Kimberly had randomly asked me a few weeks ago to describe my thoughts on pre-Gilead June in a few words. I cannot remember why, but I had a head start on this assignment. I said, a meek people pleaser in search of a family. 
I use Meek, I think, because she comes off that way relative to June 2.0. It's kind of striking in the flashbacks how she'll laugh off sexism, both micro and macro, like laughing off Luke, assuming she's hooked up with Moira because she's a lesbian, but also kind of laughing off her bank account being transferred to Luke. Things she wouldn't laugh off anymore, I don't think. Not post-Gilead. But her overall motivation from what we see of her before Gilead, I think, was forming a stereotypical family unit, probably in large part because she didn't grow up with a father, which was her mom's choice. I also think she was disappointed in her mom for spending so much time and energy trying to fight the problems in the world at large instead of focusing more on her daughter at home. So I think June rebelled, as odd as it sounds, by focusing on a more domestic role, being a good wife and mother. Ironically, the two things Gilead values in women. She worked too, though. She went to college and got a nine-to-five job that her mom thought was boring, but June seemed to do well and be content with. And next up, she needed to find a husband. Even though she was in her early 20s, she seemed to want to settle down early, and she found a candidate for that role in Luke, a married man she met at a coffee truck. Although I think logistically Luke had to take the first step after the coffee truck by signing up for Tinder to find June, I think we see next a similarity in all versions of June in deciding what she wants and going after it without too much concern to Annie, Luke's wife at the time. She's never been one to worry too much about others getting hurt in her campaign to get what she's decided she wanted, and it's a trait that serves her really well in Gilead. She seems to get away with a Luke affair with minimal regret, too, barring the two times she runs into Annie out in the world. All that to say, I think that family is her primary motivation pre-Gilead. What did you guys have on what drives her actions back then? Yeah, that's exactly what I had, too, is that she just wanted to have a family. The word I put was complacent. She just seemed to get Mm -hmm. very complacent. Um, It's not that I think she didn't care. Like, obviously, I think she cared about social issues and stuff. But um, it's kind of like how people now don't really care about an issue until it affects them personally, almost, I think. Right. Yeah. You know, we saw her going to the marches with Moira. So it's, you know, she cared, obviously, but I don't think she cared enough to make a change. She didn't question anything until she was affected personally by all the changes that happened with Gilead. So. I think it became very easy for her to, when she found that life that she wanted, the family, to become just complacent and, you know, just kind of not go forward with what her mom would have wanted, which was, you know, to rebel and to push back and ask questions. Mm -hmm. I think that um, what she was looking for was everything she didn't have in her childhood, Mm -hmm. like a family with a father and stability, you know? All the things, those things that she didn't have. Right. Although something I find curious is that she did intend to be a professional woman, you know, like mother women are. Yeah. Probably not looking for a demanding job so she can be a mom too, but and not leaving aside the financial independence um, that a job generates. Right. You know, like right. work gives women empowerment and freedom to not depend uh, on a man. Mm-hmm. And I think that is from her mother. Yeah. Yeah. And she kept it in her own account, it would seem, since that was taken away from her. Exactly. Yeah. And keeping her name. She kept her last name instead of taking on Luke's name. So there was definitely still, Holly was still there. Right. Her influence, you know. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think she just kind of went along with what, like society expected of women and I don't blame her but yeah I think she was just kind of complacent I don't know I feel like she lacked some morals too like pre-Gilead with like the cheating Luke stuff but I think she 
she's a little bit selfish when she wants something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Like, it's not the moral thing mm-hmm. <laughs> there is that she won that. Right. Once she's decided she wants something, she's just going to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that gets worse in Gilead. That's like a yeah, it's true. trait that becomes much more pronounced. But then I think it also gets, like, better, too, like, when she's out of Gilead. Like, because she could have traded Hannah for 10 kids. Right. There are times when she's selfish, and then there's times when she's very selfless. You know, I guess mm-hmm. that's like, you, all of us are like that as people. But, yeah. Yeah. That's true. She is a selfish person, but that's part of, I mean, I like that she's not just this, like, one-dimensional character. I like that they have her as, like, a real person. For sure. She shouldn't be too good to be true. No, yeah. she, she can't be this you know, heroine that cares about everybody and always says the right thing. Like, it's not real life, so. I think, too, though, stopping that trait, I mean, I think that there are certain lines that you, like, can't cross, even if you're a selfish human being, you know? Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. You can't trait five people's kids. Yeah. And logistically, you literally can't trait five people's kids. Like, even if she said (laughs) yes to that, like, what are they going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like she's still fairly selfish post-Gilead. No, the post Gilead, when I was like writing on my notes, is very hard to like write about. I was just put very conflicting here. And like, that's like yeah. all I could say. Yeah. But, yeah. I think in both the complacency and the morals that you were just um, saying, Marigold, I think that pre Gilead June just latched onto Luke. And if Luke mm-hmm. said it was okay, then she's like, okay, it's okay. Right. Yeah. That's true. Cause mm-hmm. like, she's obviously like, wait a minute, you took my job and my bank account. This isn't, this, there's something wrong here. And he's like, no, no, it's cool. And she's like, all right, I'm just going to hang tight with Luke, you know? Uh Mm -hmm. And I think that probably the affair was similar. Like, he's the one that's doing the the worst um, Mm -hmm. betrayal, right? He's the one that owes Annie the loyalty. And if he's willing to do this to her, you know, I feel like it makes it easier for her to go along with it. And she stepped out of that, like, post-Gilead, I think. So she did improve in that way, perhaps. But yeah. I had a question for you all. Okay, so what I was when I was writing this, I was thinking, so let's say hypothetical, she hadn't been targeted by Gilead and hadn't been forced to flee. Like, let's say she and Luke had just met like normal. He hadn't been previously married. They wouldn't have had a reason to run. Do you think that they that she would have been content to just kind of stay in Gilead as like an Econo person? Because that's what would have happened to her, right? Like, she would have just been like an Econo couple. And I don't know. I was thinking about that. I was I don't know, like. Obviously, the June that became a handmaid would not have been okay with that. Right, right. But pre-Gilead June, I was really torn. I think if she had had Luke and Hannah and could have kept that up in Gilead and she wouldn't have had that taken away from her. I think that's the kind of selfish that we're talking about, right? Like, she has hers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yes, women are handmaids. Just look away when the handmaids walk by, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, she would have to risk, like, Luke and Hannah to, yeah, fight back against the system. Like, I don't think she would. I don't would. think she'd ever do no, that. No, I don't think yeah. she would, though. Yeah, you're right. No, because back then, that June, that's all she cared about, you know? Right. Her little family intact. And right. So, yeah, that's a very good point. I think that she would have continued living as an Econo woman unless, you know, something came to attack her, her family. family unit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. It's funny, too, because I actually have in my notes next that I can't imagine June living her whole life as pre-Gilead June, even if the country hadn't been taken over. But your point, like, I fully can, you know? Yeah. I just feel like there's, like, so much 
dormant potential in her since we've seen the show, mm-hmm. but only because we've seen the show, you know? Right. That it's like hard for me to imagine her being like that her whole life, but I 100% now that you've said that, can see her as a kind of wipe. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, I feel like Gilead kind of served as the fire that forged her true self, like Daenerys in Game of Thrones. Hopefully with a very different ending, like very different. But yeah, let's talk about Gilead, June. In the early days of Gilead, June learned quickly to keep her head down and survive. But then as she learned how to navigate the system, she was able to spare some energy and risk for forging friendships in the Red Center and even an attempted escape with her bestie, Moira. By the way, I like the June that she was around Moira in the flashbacks. Me too. I meant to mention that her friendship with Moira in the flashbacks is like my favorite part of pre-Gilead June. They're fun together. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah, I like the June that Moira brought out. And that persisted through the beginnings of Gilead until Gilead managed to break even Moira at Jezebel's until June reignites her spark later on. But back to June. When she gets to the Waterfords, we start to see the June that we'll know for the brunt of the show being formed. She's getting braver by the day, learning the nuances of everyone's personalities and how exactly to manipulate who. And we find out how funny June is in her voiceovers, constantly sarcastic despite the hellscape surrounding her. And like that humor was so important to me watching the first couple seasons, which obviously I fell in love with the show. But the humor in her thoughts lightens the show yeah. so much. And I miss them so much in the later seasons where we don't get to see much of her funny side anymore not as much but back to Gilead June she cares deeply about her friends the other handmaids and she's obsessed with getting to her daughter Hannah June's also spending the greatest allotment of her time energy and risk falling in love with one Nicholas Blaine the household driver she risks her life over and over again to be with Nick whether it's spending the night in his apartment above the garage or even just brushing his fingers in a busy household she straight up acknowledges in season one episode eight that having this relationship with him was actually more important than her survival to her she didn't care if she ended up on the wall it was worth it to her because at least somebody would remember her when she's gone In that same season, she also point blank tells Fred that love is a reason for living when he asks her what else there could possibly be to live for outside of breeding. And she answers love, looking at him like he's like the poorest, most pitiable idiot in the world. And then when he minimizes love to just lust with a good marketing campaign, she doesn't care that she angers him when she tells him that that isn't her experience. So all of that is to say that I actually think in Gilead, love is her strongest motivation, both that for her friends, obviously her love for her daughter and later daughters, but also her romantic love for Nick, which is why I think it would be heartbreaking if she ends up romantically alone after everything else she's been through and lost and any additional sadness that she may still have ahead. What did you guys have for Gilead June's motivations? Um, I think June started in Gilead trying to survive, but eventually circumstances lead her to want something more Um, not only looking for Hannah which it was what she has done for five seasons uh, but also to to see so much injustice and oppression those things I think remember her of what her mother was fighting for before and but worse a lot worse And for me, I think that was what was driving her to change in this rebel June. Yeah, I I think that you're right. Like having that in your face every single day, like that kind of horror has got to like change you to your core. You can't like help it. Yeah, I agree. I think love is her primary motivation, not only, I mean, for survival, we see it, you know, throughout all of her time in Gilead, you know, before she kind of starts, you know, 
getting with Nick and falling in love with Nick, you know, she used the um, thoughts of Luke and Hannah and their past to help her survive. And then it was love is what I have to look forward to is giving me hope for the future is giving me inspiration to change, um, you know, for Hannah, for, you know, her daughter, she's going to go forward in the world and try and now, you know, change. She wants to try and bring down Gilead for lack of a better word. You know, she break, she gets the kids out at the end of uh, season three. That's not a personal thing. It's very selfless and that's hurting Gilead. Um, and it's all driven, you know, by love, I think, like you said, that's very good. That was probably the perfect way or word to describe what her motivation is in Gilead. I agree. Yeah. I also feel like she's driven a little bit by revenge. I would say like later on in Gilead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, like she you know, wanted to do a good thing by getting these kids out. But I think she wants Gilead to hurt deeply as she hurt when they took Hannah from her. Yeah, that's what she tells Tuella, I think, right? Yeah. When he's interviewing her, yeah. And I think that's still her motivation post-Gilead is revenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously Hannah's always her sole focus, but I think she wants to take down Gilead as much as possible in the process too. Yeah. And you see it too, like not even just Gilead revenge, which is a very worthy cause, but like even with Natalie in season three, when Natalie gets Hannah's Martha hung and yeah, I mean, she makes her life a living hell just, just out of vengefulness. And even when I think Janine is like, take it easy, you know, like she just won't. She's hell bent on torturing this woman and it leads to her death. And she doesn't even have much remorse for the Martha's death. You know, that look that we've talked about before when Hannah's Martha Francis is hanging and she just looks at her like like she's the one that did something wrong. Like she hates her, you know, even though like June's actions have resulted in Hannah losing her Martha, who's probably the closest person to her and the most trustworthy, and all of her friends at school because she gets moved to Colorado. But June's still just like nothing, no remorse in that, you know? Like she she has a very unique it's like tunnel vision almost. Like she can't see the outside of the scope of what her actions are causing. She's so focused on revenge or getting Hannah. She can't see the collateral damage almost or what's happening around her. Right. And yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect word for it. Tunnel vision. And especially when it comes to Hannah, because even in season five, when you see, you know, she's trying to talk Luke into going back to New Bethlehem with Nicole. And it's like the most insane thing we've ever heard. And we're like, wait, no, your daughter is safe. Don't fucking take her back in there. Yeah. She can't see anything except I want to be with Hannah. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, very, very June trait that you don't see often, like, complete blinders to everything else yeah and even like said the no regard for other people like that's what happened with um mrs lawrence in season three remember she took she didn't even have any like um she was so focused on getting to the school to see hannah she didn't even stop to think about the effects on the hole that would take on her yeah mentally yeah yeah. or like even with nick in season three as well when she's like i want you to talk to the swiss and he's like i really don't want to and you know she doesn't she didn't stop to think well maybe you know there's a reason why he doesn't want to yeah she's just so focused on and i get why she's focused on keeping her children safe like in with nick obviously it was for nicole and you know she's got that laser that tunnel Right. But the selfishness plays mm-hmm. into it too. She doesn't think about other people yeah. that much. But uh, I do think she feels remorse, but not enough to stop what she's doing or yeah. her goal. I mean, I feel like she feels pain yeah. for what she's doing and the consequences of it. But in season three, she was like, go, 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 go. 
And in season four, after her friends were killed by the train, I think she's more aware about the destruction around her, you know, because of her decisions. And in season five, I also think that she felt, for example, the, the loss of their life, the soldiers. The raid that went, yeah. The raid, wrong. exactly. Yeah, right. I, I think she she's more aware of those losses with the time. And when she's not in that um, survival mode, you know, mm-hmm. when she's off Gilead, she's more aware. Yeah, I agree. But you do still see a little bit, even after that mission, I feel like you see a little bit of this kind of, I don't know if it's misplaced anger. It's not misplaced. But like when she's screaming at Lawrence and she's telling him that she had let Eleanor die, you know, and I think that happens right after the failed mission. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's just trying to hurt him. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. She needs to hurt yeah. the people she's Twist talking nice. to. <laughs> like Nick exactly. in episode three of season three, you oh, know, yeah. like she's with anger and she needs to say something. And, and it's also the drama. I believe. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's never been processed. Yeah. The trauma is doing, but it's, I think it's her personality too. It's not something that she can change. It's just the way she is. Yeah. Yeah. I will admit to hoping that she carves out a little more peace and happiness somehow before the end of the series, but if she doesn't, it's understandable. A great revenge scene was season four, the episode with Serena at the end when she's in her cell screaming at her, do you understand me? The way that Serena did to June. Like, I prefer vengeful June to forgiving June myself. Me too. I guess because it's television and you can like live vicariously through them. And, you know, in real life, you don't get a whole lot of shots at salvaging people. And especially towards the people that deserve it, which is Fred and Serena. Those people deserve that vengeful side of her the most. So it's very cathartic for us and for her, I think, to see that. Why it feels so like, what the heck is going on when she's like helping her give birth? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, and I heard, I remember like reading a ton on social media and things after season four of women who had been sexually abused being like, that was so fucking cathartic for me. Just watching this episode. I can't tell you how much it meant to me. It was incredible, you know, et cetera. And then I'm curious how they would feel about, you know, the 180 with Serena. Yeah. Not fully forgiving her, but basically, you know, deciding to let go of the anger and the revenge um, with Serena. I don't know. I am lucky not to be in that situation. But she did it for the baby. She was kind with Serena because of the baby, I think. Yeah, Uh, true. Yeah. Not for her. And I think she hasn't forgiven Serena about everything. Yeah, she said that, thankfully. Right. But um, I don't know, faces between them are complicated. Yeah. And I don't know, that affects the people's perspective of the scene. Yeah. Because you can see the they look in each other like they were friends. Oh, right. No. Yeah, so I noted the revenge, and then also, along with that strong desire for revenge, she also has a quick temper, mostly that's used on the appropriate deserving assholes, but she also sometimes takes it out on Nick just because she can, and she knows he'll understand, and he does at the Globe or at the Lawrence house, and he knows to give her, like, a minute to calm down, knowing that 
most likely her cooler head will prevail. And after her initial flying off the handle, you know, he'll be able to talk to her like a reasonable adult. And then there are some other personality traits of June's that only come out around Nick and Gilead too. Her softness, her vulnerability. She spends, you know, the 60 seconds she thinks she has with Nick on the bridge in 403, basically in like a therapy session, admitting to him her fears that Hannah's forgotten her. And you just don't see much of that from her with anyone else as she's either in a subordinate position with most of Gilead or a leadership position with her handmade friends, I think. So she doesn't really allow herself to be real around them in that way. I mean, she definitely has a real friendship with them, but she just doesn't allow herself to be vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. I think she's almost like her truest self with Nick because she allows herself to be, like you said, vulnerable. She opens up. She can be happy with Nick. Um, she has the moments of softness and the moments of light, but she's also not afraid, like you said, to like put him in, like she's angry. She's going to lash out at him. Yeah. And he doesn't take it personally. So, you know, they mesh really well together, obviously. Of course, I think they do. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, she she can show all parts of her personality to him, I think, even the ugly parts. Right. And he accepts it and loves her for who she is. So yeah. that's why she's safe being vulnerable with him and you know laughing and being happy so being angry right being angry yeah and sexually she's at her best yeah. with nick they trade power and exactly he respects the fact that she loves being on top he doesn't care that she's like the alpha you know right between them and it's just it's just yeah it's a good yeah balance and he's level-headed enough to balance out her impulsivity in gilead too like the gun scene you know yeah yeah i mean she's gonna what from the boston globe she literally doesn't know where hannah is but <laughs> she wants to go get her <laughs> like all right just i'll be waiting here and he knew her well enough to say okay go he just yeah. she needed a little bit of leash to feel like she could make a decision yeah. right and just in case you're stupid enough to go here's my gun so you can at least take someone out with you because <laughs> right. you're gonna die <laughs> exactly yeah i just it's a great balance and he even gets her to daydream with him though she resists the first time and i feel like it's very like on june to let herself do that at that point you know and she's like resistant but he finally gets her to like give into this dream of them being a family together on a beach in hawaii and it's just it's impressive that he gets her there yeah so when she gets out of gilead she moves back into luke's house into luke's bed the very day after stepping off the boat moira's there too but moira's changed Somewhat dramatically from the Moira June was used to, she's no longer the ride or die rebel friend taking June to protests. She's instead often a bit of an antagonist to June, a proponent of putting Gilead behind them and moving on. And that's Luke's MO too. He wants his his pre-Gilead June back and June struggles because that's that's not really who she is anymore. But she also doesn't want to hurt him. She's a lot more worried about hurting Luke's feelings than I think that we've seen her ever with anyone else because she's become such an honest, like blunt person as we've watched the show that it's kind of strange that in the case of Luke, she cannot bring herself to be very honest, no matter how uncomfortable she is. She'd rather be uncomfortable than be honest with him, um, except during spurts of anger in season five, where you see the June that likes to hurt people. But also like she needs to say this stuff, you know, it's just bottled up inside of her. Um, she's never broached the topic of Nick with Luke, which is understandable, perhaps, even though in season four, we see her relationship with Nick is fully ongoing, they're fully in love, kissing, cuddling, and just like oozing love from all their pores until it even embarrasses their baby Holly in the stroller. And during that whole season four, she's in Canada, we also see her face somewhat 
repulsed by the idea of kissing Luke and not because he's repulsive by any means. But that's just, I think, what happens when you're consumed by love with someone else. And when you haven't even seen this man for seven years and believed him to be dead for most of those. The point is, she's easily, she's still easily intimate with Nick, even in Canada in season four. And she can't reestablish that intimacy with Luke in season four. But then in season five, a few days after season four, she's making out with Luke outside the ballet. She's holding hands with him and frolicking back into Gilead. And she's having sex with him after another confrontation with Serena. So for me, season four June and season five June aren't as easy to reconcile insofar as her romantic life goes. Everything else I get. So we'll move on to that. Her desire for revenge is as strong as ever in seasons four and the beginning of five, resulting in one very dead Fred at the hands of June and the other handmaids who would like to do that to their own commanders. She stalks Serena at her new Gileadian embassy. With the intention of reaping her reward, only to swerve on that goal later in the season when she helps to deliver Serena's baby, Noah. Vengeful June told Serena she hopes her baby dies, but a cooler-headed June refuses to take Noah from Serena and even brings him to the hospital for help. And she's even angry at Luke for calling the police on Serena. We already talked about New Bethlehem, but yeah, what did you guys have on post-Gilead, June? It's just a mess. <laughs> <Any noise>? Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I think she, at the beginning of season five, when Emily is going back to Gilead to give on Lydia, mm-hmm. I think she's very afraid of losing her family. Yeah, and definitely. Mm-hmm. That leads to be complacent again. Yeah. Like pre-June was. Right. I yeah. understand that, but I don't understand like such the change in her relationship with luke like i understand like wanting to try with luke but like i don't know the date and then the sex scene later on it doesn't seem genuine to me i do understand why i felt like she had to make the effort with luke i do yeah because i think if she didn't there always would have been that what if in her brain right Mm -hmm. it would have haunted her forever if she hadn't tried i hope it's kind of becoming clear that it's not going to work and you know I felt like it was much more clear at the end of season four we were going and then season five just kind of flipped the script all over the place in all sorts of weird and wacky ways. But I do think one of her driving factors still even in post-Gilead is obviously it's always going to be Hannah, but it's still that revenge. And we see that with Fred, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of, I feel like it kind of went away a little bit in um, season five and it went, the uh, focus switched back more to Hannah but you know I do think it's still there um a little bit you know when she talked to Lawrence she was obviously very focused on trying to hurt him because in that moment he represented Gilead to her right so she still got that need for revenge and to hurt um it just gone away a little bit you know I don't even know what's gonna happen now we're just on a train to (laughs) somewhere with Serena so is her motivation still going to be Hannah at this point I I don't know I think it's interesting like I realized that this is the first season where like Gilead wasn't hit sort of you know like season one the rebellion just began by not stoning Janine Mm -hmm. and season two is the red center bombing and season three angels flight right so we have this like momentum of like getting back at Gilead and season four like murdering Fred you know Mm -hmm. and then season five nothing nobody's trying to hurt Gilead I mean I guess you could say like the revenge against Serena is like getting back at Gilead but I don't think so you mean having her arrested well that and oh the house yeah Mrs. Wheeler's house yeah yeah but I just think that like 
I don't know. Obviously, and I've said this many times, like I was hoping for more Mayday. Yeah. I want to see them hit Gilead where it hurts like a lot over and over again. And so, I don't know, season five was just kind of like domestic. It was a very domestic season. Even Serena Mm. was just being domestic. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm curious because even end of season five, I don't know that June wants to attack Gilead. Yeah, I don't either. Maybe she just want to go live a domestic life. What's June's thinking? I miss knowing what June's thinking. And like now with Hannah, like it's pretty clear she's not going to get Hannah out anymore at this point. You know, like so is what's her motivation there with that too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is she just going to be content to say, okay, well, she's not getting out. Just let her be, you know, after five seasons of watching that be, you know, her primary focus. Yeah. I hesitate to ask this question, but it's come up on our social media a decent amount of times. But it seems like a lot of people think that June isn't the best mom to Nicole, that she cares a lot more about Hannah than Nicole. Do you guys, do you guys agree or what do you think about that question? Yeah. I mean, well, like she had her tunnel vision with New Bethlehem and Hannah and bringing Nicole there. And I understand her fight to get Hannah back, but also she has a daughter there and she needs to be present for her too. You know, like I know she's young, but like you don't want Nicole to grow up without like a mom who's there. And yeah, it's an impossible situation. I don't know what I would do. For sure. For sure. I think the first I heard a lot of that was when Luke and June went into no man's land Mm -hmm. to the bowling alley to get a thumb drive with information on wife school. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. They would be willing to risk both of Nicole's, you know, her mom and her current male guardian over, you know, just some information. If it was a rescue situation and they had to be there, you know, that's different. But I know a lot of people were like, wow, they really don't care about that kid. And that's sad. I, I think with June and, and Nicole, it might be, I can see her being in a slightly different headspace with her just because she sent her out of the country on her own to be free. I can see her almost compartmentalizing because she didn't think she was going to get to be her mother. Yeah. And so now maybe it is hard to turn that piece of it back on. You know, like I had to put her in this bubble. Okay. Like I can't, I don't get to be her mother, but she's going to be free. I'm doing what's best for her by letting her go. Right. So, you know, now that she is back in or she's in a place where she can now be her mother, it might be hard to get back in that headspace because what if she loses her again? I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say it's an impossible. Yeah. And she's lost her kids a lot. Yeah. Repeatedly they've been torn from her and it's gotta, yeah. I can't imagine the psychological effects. Right. But I wonder too, though, now that she's on the train, let's ignore Serena for a minute. Now that she's on the train (laughs) alone with Nicole, I wonder if she, you know, without Luke, who's taking care of primarily, I think, of Nicole, him and Moira, I wonder if she'd be able to bond with her better. I doubt that this train situation is going to last for very long. So (laughs) I'm not expecting much to come of it, but it would be nice to see her have a little more of a connection to Nicole. I agree. I think she has a bond with Nicole. But we didn't see it. We saw some fraction of it. And the main focus of the, of the show is, is Hannah all the time. And I think that June is fighting for Hannah. She keeps fighting for Hannah, even when she knows she can do much from Canada. Eh, because she needs to feel like she's doing something, you know, just for just that. But in the end, in the season five finale, she escaped because she needs to protect Nicole. She needs to protect her family. 
So she changed the perspective from Hannah to Nicole to look and and run uh, before it's too late, like happened before. Yeah. Maybe she's kind of like the opposite of Luke and it like feels like a betrayal to like be a mom to Nicole, you know, like when my dog died and I got a new dog and it felt like a betrayal to my old dog, you know? Yeah. Probably sad. And then you see the opposite side of that coin, which is Luke, who I don't know if you guys feel this way, but a lot of times to me, it is almost like she's a substitute for Hannah. Obviously, he still misses Hannah and would do anything for Hannah. But there are times when it's like the three of them, especially in the end of like season four. And I don't know, I get the feeling that he wants this to just like replace what they were before, like a clean, like kind of replacement. I agree completely. There have yeah. been plenty of times I thought he would he would actually like openly suggest like she's in she doesn't remember us she's in gilead we have this daughter let's just start over oh yeah like and he actually said will we ever be enough for you and i remember thinking what your daughter is still Mm -hmm. in gilead so she should never be enough for you either like Mm -hmm. like that statement was a strange thing to say with a, a daughter yeah but it's complicated it is certainly complicated. I mean, it's complicated to think that you're not doing enough for Hannah, but also if you're doing, trying to do a lot for Hannah, even when you know there is not much to do, uh, you're not um, taking care of Nicole. So it's complicated to balance. It's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all a lot. Yeah. Another thing I missed in season five, though. And I guess in large part after June gets to Canada in season four is The Handmaid's Friendship was such a big part of the show and June's life, you know, leading up to, well, all of it until she escapes. And unfortunately, most of them died in season four, Alma and Brianna. And then also the Marthas that we love, Beth and Sienna, all died in season four. So it's like, I don't know, it's just like a big piece that's missing that that was important to june and to the show i think earlier on yeah and it's tough because her friends in canada aren't that close at the moment yeah i was gonna say like it's sad because like i feel like pre-gilead moira could have really you know been supportive of june but it's just different it just feels like her and june don't even have like a friendship anymore it just feels like this like transactional thing almost like Mara lives with them she cares for Nicole right I would say maybe Rita but like at least they had I was glad that they had the moment with Rita in season five on the stoop where it seemed like she was gonna once again be like no be happy with what you have and then she Mm -hmm. pivoted and was like but if my kid were alive I would do anything yeah yeah that was nice I was like oh thank god because like everybody's talking to June like she's the crazy one for not Mm -hmm. being able to just settle and accept all this but then there are people out there like her like the Mayday camp you know I think Mm -hmm. she's just surrounded by the wrong people yeah to actually like be the person that she is and she's just Mm -hmm. trying to like kind of keep it like inside and it's just not it's just uncomfortable to watch her not being her badass right yeah well she and she even lost she lost her like handmade support group too because they were the ones that were with her in the woods and then they had the fight right they wanted her to go back yeah so like even Yeah. yeah she did have somewhat of a support system in them but it's gone now yeah and i mean she lost Nick in essence too. When you know they mm-hmm. talked in five hundred three, he was like, "I'm married now. I, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to talk anymore." I mean, she lost all of the support. Were yeah, 
with the people that she could really be herself with the most, you know, the other handmaids and then Nick. Yeah. She lost Mm -hmm. all of that pretty much. Yeah. That's another thing that I didn't understand though, because it's also like three days after season four or when he's like, I'm here to do anything I can for you. Time is a flat circle. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And he, (laughs) because he's already married then, you know, like everything's the same. Yeah. And then the phone call was so cold and yeah. Yeah. We can't talk anymore. Yeah. The phone call was my least favorite Nick and June scene of all time. I think. Nine was worse for me, but that's... Yeah, I feel like most people thought nine was worse. But for me, like, the coldness of the phone call, I was like, who the are you? It's sad when the best scene for them is with her unconscious in the hospital. (laughs) Isn't that awful? Oh, my gosh. Another thing that about June in season five, um, she doesn't talk to anybody about Nick, you know? Mm -hmm. I really was hoping that she would talk to Rita. I guess it's just what we were saying about her not having yeah any real friends really around her anymore yeah i have that down as um you said one of the questions was any major traits or flaws i have sometimes i feel like with june it's people when they're out of sight they're out of mind and obviously i think of that mostly in regards to nick yeah um but i feel like sometimes she doesn't seem to think or consider people that are in her orbit unless she needs something from them you know she does it with lawrence serena yeah um that's why i really love that little moment in season four where she's rocking nicole and she mentions that her Uh first daddy loves her because it showed us that she was still thinking about nick even though he wasn't there she didn't need anything from him at that time right yeah but obviously he was still in her mind and that's you know what i always thought was missing from the birth scene with nicole you know it felt weird to me that she just watched nick be dragged away by guardians she didn't know if he had been shot or injured if he was alive or dead and she's giving birth to his baby and she thinks of everybody else except there's a montage with every single other person and Lydia like everybody except the father of her baby who she most recently saw (laughs) yeah exactly almost you know and she doesn't know if he's alive or dead he's not anywhere in your mind yeah um like i said i obviously think about it most in regards to nick but i think it happens with every character you know i think lawrence she doesn't necessarily think about him unless she's thinking about what he can help her with or what he can do for her but i wouldn't expect her to think about lawrence right i wouldn't either yeah (laughs) but that's kind of a thing that i struggle with from time to time is how she's seems out of sight out of mind and i wish they'd give us more of her showing us she's thinking about these people she cares about you know the other handmaids janine frida moira i would love if it didn't feel like you know out of sight out of mind yeah and that's true for the handmaids too because i was um you know she doesn't ask she does her face shows concern and care when lawrence tells her that janine's at the red center but she i don't think that she ever asks about janine or esther yeah exactly i don't know who else she left but i don't think that she ever asks about them either and that kind of surprises me because i would want to know i would too yeah both of them like you know they've been put in houses i just want to know more Mm -hmm. can i say something that i really love about the finale of season five please um, I admire the effects June has in the people, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah. For good or for bad, you know? Right. But in the episode, I have rewatched a lot of season five uh, finale, episode 10. I love the way Nick and Janine are affected by June. Yeah. By June's accident. Knowing that she's not, she's not safe. You know? Yeah, how much they care. Exactly. And and it's not just them, but obviously she's the main character of the show. But right. it's kind of cute. 
It's great. And it, I mean, it's very cute that they know to like tell Janine, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like you're saying, like everybody knows about June because she's got all these kids out and, you know, she's a legend, but they know that Janine's her friend and they immediately go to tell her and Janine is affected the way. It's very touching how much yeah. they care. I wish it was mutual. Yeah, me too. I don't know if the information travels both ways. Yeah, she got some information about Janine because she's just a handmaid, you know, but June yeah. is June in Gilead. June is important. Right. So I, I think it's that's the reason. I, I believe that's the only reason why she doesn't have intel from the other handmaids or Janine. Yeah, I mean, in season five, it seems like her best friends are Lawrence and Serena, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I guess Luke, but she doesn't she talks to Luke some. Uh, Luke and Lawrence and Serena seem to be her like support system. And it's I think it's unfortunate because she's so good around the handmaids and pre Gilead Moira and, and now Emily's gone and she's the one in Canada that had the most like minded thinking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is nice that the people in Gilead really care for June. Okay, any other flaws or outstanding character traits that we haven't covered in the discussion so far? I'm hoping that we get a little more of her humor. I, That's a good I'm one. I'm assuming we will never get her voiceovers again, but I really loved her humor in the voiceovers. Her impulsivity, I kind of talked about that with Nick. She uh, sometimes doesn't think things through. Some good things. I feel like, obviously, she is this incredible badass that inspires everybody in Gilead and Canada. I mean, one woman has inspired, like, literally two nations of rebellion. Mayday, you know, how what a big deal it was for them to meet her because she's June Osborne. And that's actually, I asked about favorite episodes. And I think my favorite episode of June's is the season three finale. I really, really love Angel's Flight. And my favorite scene that like, gives me chills every time is when the handmaids and Martha's like join her and they're like throwing the rocks at the guardian and you know, they're probably going to die and they're sacrificing their lives. And it makes me all, I love it. I love it. And then seeing her like bleeding out on the ground as the plane takes off above her. I just love that whole mission. And I guess I really like when they hit Gilead hard. So that is probably my favorite non-Nick and June scene. My favorite scene I listed is when she kills Fred because that's such a catharsis for her and us as viewers. Yes. I love the implication of it that, you know, she and Nick and Lawrence were all conspiring behind the scenes to get it done. Yeah. And, you know, her getting to have that moment with the other former handmaids uh, and victims of Gilead was just amazing. Checks all the boxes. Checks all the boxes. But, you know, with the capacity for love, that would go hand in hand with obviously my the runner up is going to be any scene with Nick. But, you know, specifically the scene at the school and for, you know, 409, obviously. I think that's my favorite Nick and June scene, too. It's so good. Like seeing her open up with him in that moment and you're just smiling and being happy. Right. And when we hadn't really gotten to see her be. It's after she's left. Since she'd gotten out of Gilead. Yeah, it was just so right. beautiful getting to see her love and be open. Um, yeah. and be like what I feel is her, you know, her truest self and, you know, just watch the world fall away like it always does when they're together. Yeah. And it seemed like it'd be the most telling moment. Like, okay, is she gonna, is she or is she not gonna love him right. after she's back with Luke, you know? And it's like, wow, she really loves him. She really did. Yeah. So yeah, her capacity for love is just enormous and very commendable, I think, for everybody in her life. Yeah. But especially Nick. That is very good. I would say my, my favorite 
episode or moment is uh, the testimony in episode in season four. Mm-hmm. God, Lizzie's amazing, by the way. I can't believe we even said that mm-hmm. 10,000 times. That shot is amazing. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite episodes because it's very complete. You had a lot of feelings and I love it. It's incredible. That's a good one. I love it. I could watch it over and over and not get tired. Yeah. And I agree with Tina. Episode nine of season four is one of my favorite June and Nick's moment. Yeah. And because is Nicole there is most no, it's beautiful family complete yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he brings her the doll. Ugh, everything about it. Just thinking of both of those moments gave me chills, guys. Just thinking of both of those, like four seven, four nine. Like I've got chills. Like there's that good. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I love after that reunion, June, that can't leave the car. Yeah. Is look there and <laughs> she's like unable to move All because right. she feels so bad. She's yeah. I don't know. I love it. And I, I think it was the most genuine moment that we have seen of June after leaving Gilead. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Definitely. She's just bottled up and, I don't know, so different in Canada. But she was immediately mm-hmm. thrust into Luke's bed, you know? And I mean, she could have objected. It's not like she doesn't have the power to do that too. But it's just, it's just too abrupt. Yeah. I must say, I love episode one and two from season five. Yeah. yeah. Episode three is probably the most handmade tale episode from season five for me. And uh, from episode four. It's like a different show. Yeah. The tone, everything. Yeah. I remember watching episode one. And I was like, this feels like a different show to me already. It was different, but. It makes sense because I think the essence of that episode is that you feel uncomfortable yeah. with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, You know, with the killing, mm-hmm. with the, yeah. the consequences of killing Fred. I got that. I got that. Yeah. Episode two was amazing. Yeah, episode two is great. Yeah. I love episode two. Lizzie's amazing. So episode two was great. Yeah. Episode three, two. I love the dinner between. The dinner's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On episode four, I love the fight between Luke and Serena. That's good, yeah. I have a weird um, random favorite June scene that I just thought of. Go for it. I really like in, I don't know exactly which episode it is, but it's in season two at the Boston Globe when um, she collects like all of the things from the people who were killed there. Yeah. And she makes like a little altar and she like kneels down and like prays. I love that. And I don't know, I just like seeing that other like side of her and that she still has faith in like, the midst of everything. So oh, I agree. Yeah, it's a random one, but it came to my mind. I love that scene. That's a great choice. And her jogging around the globe. I really like the globe scenes. And I like that she and Nick, like, just like the coffee scene, like, you know, have a minute in their lives to live like a normal couple and get each other coffee. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Boston globe scenes. I have uh, another point that Scarlett told me. <laughs> like, it's not religion. It's just faith. I know. I love that about you. Yeah. That's a good one. And Gilead couldn't take that from her, her faith in humanity, her faith in love or 
in kindness. Um, I think it's a very strong thing about June. It's a few inside her that mm-hmm. um, she does uh, a lot from that faith. Yeah, I, I don't think that my faith in anything would remain intact after that. Truly, like, it just, you just can't, it just be so hard. I couldn't be as strong as her in the faith. And it's really moving. It's like, wow. And I think that would have been one of the easiest first things to lose in Gilead, especially seeing how they pervert faith oh, for sure. and God and religion so much. And she never, she still has, you know, believes in a God, some God, you know, so which I think is right. really beautiful. Yeah, I don't know how she does it. And I think it's important because after Canada, she was like very devastated or tired. Like she was hopeless after Canada. Right. And then she was like, oh, the things here in Canada is, is great. Like she is trying, is trying to regain that positivity from Luke, from Moira, from everyone trying to build a life and not just give up yeah yeah because she was devastated i think like she was hopeless before or or tired of that abuse and torture i can see three moments of june and after arriving in canada like the first moment is when she's adjusting the fact that there is life outside of gilead right so she's trying to reconnect with her family and also she has that anger inside that is always triggered by Fred or Serena or injustice you know everything yeah. is it's too much like too much um feelings to process yeah but after she killed Fred and she's she released that bloodlust she had inside her she's like struggling now with the consequences of yeah. her actions. And I think... 88 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and in the first episodes of season uh, five, she's going through a period of atonement yeah. of her sins. But then finally she gets... Um, she managed to, to control her demons. And then Hannah becomes priority again. Yeah, that's very, very good analysis. Yeah, because she's not on survival mode. Like yeah. she's living. She's finally right. living. She's stable with her family, trying to get Hannah, but she's not surviving because she's safe. Yeah, or she feels she's safe, so she can have a goal again. Right. Exactly. And then Gilead take revenge for the raid, so mm-hmm. she go back to survive mode and now we have to see what happened next but yeah. I, I think it's very interesting how in season five she has done a lot of uh, improvements when she she grow those flowers those plants and she's rips them out yeah she's growing again uh, yeah. as a different person and then Gilead do something and she go back to the beginning yeah yeah, I liked that garden scene for that reason, because she had been like growing throughout the season. Actually, that made me think, I know one of the things I said about season one, June, was that she was complacent. She was pre-Gilead. She was very complacent. She was just along for the ride. You know, if it didn't affect her, I don't think she really would have cared. Something I liked that we saw by the end of season five is she was no longer complacent. So by the end of yeah. season five, she saw that Canada is 
like Gilead light basically at this point. She saw they were in trouble. She said, we are not staying. We are running to yeah. Luke. Remember? Because they were like, oh, no, let's wait. We'll see. And she was like, no, no, no. We did that last time. We're leaving right this second. We're yeah. leaving right this second. I know. I love that. I literally just got goosebumps again. Yeah. So good. That was a really great moment of growth for her character. Yeah. Um, I think from one to five. See, I really, really liked the finale, even though yeah. I think Nick should probably die for what he did. I'm going to have faith that he does not. And I love that episode. I think he will have consequences. Should. Yeah, I mean, there's no realistic way. I feel like he has to, yeah. Yeah. There's no realistic way for him to admit because he screamed out loud why he did it. If you yeah. just punch them, <laughs> yeah. then maybe you can maybe. figure out a way out of it. In front of Mackenzie is what gets me. Like, Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was literally <laughs> so the bad. stupidest fucking thing that you could have done. Mackenzie definitely is going to do something. Yeah. Episode one. Yeah. I hope so. I, I really like the actor who plays him. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I love him. He just posted a bunch of dogs. He was out with Ever. Um, oh, yeah. At the protest, um, the picket line. At the strike. Yeah, for the yeah. strike. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. I like seeing the people at the strike. Yeah. Out there supporting the cause. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But if nothing happens to him, that is like the worst plot. I know everybody complains about June's plot armor. That will be the biggest plot armor. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> A titanium armor. Yes. Right? <laughs> Iron Man had armor. Like. Unless like Lawrence gets him out for some reason, because Lawrence owes Nick too. So that's the only thing. Yeah. But he'd have to get him out, 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 out. out. Yeah, like out of the country. Yeah. But like because of Mackenzie and because he announced. Yeah. yeah. Let me explain to everybody in this room why I'm about to punch Lawrence. <laughs> he hurt my girlfriend. Yeah. Who is Gilead's number one enemy. So now let me punch him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a great scene, though. It's a wonderful scene. I still love it. It's amazing. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, depending on what happens next, but probably not. Um, (laughs) Jesus. I mean, I think that is one thing, though. Like, I get plot armor and you got to have it, too, if you're going to have a TV Mm -hmm. show like this for six years, right? Exactly. But also, I think that in season one and maybe two... I don't know, the consequences felt a lot more real. Like, yeah, feel mm-hmm. like you were really scared for June mm-hmm. and Nick when they were together. But like, they're going to go on the wall if whatever happens, you know, and you're like, oh, fuck, don't catch them. Don't. But the consequences were just so real. Exactly. Like for, I don't know, a little thing, people got got killed. Like, yeah, exactly. So little. Like, you remember in season two when June was upset about that Martha getting shot just because she didn't show her pass? Yeah, exactly. They just shot her for no reason, Nick. For no reason, yeah. I think that they set that really well in the pilot when Emily and June were walking and they just, like, screeched up and, like, took that random, like, guy off the sidewalks. And it's fucking scary, right? You're nervous Mm -hmm. walking around. Like, oh, shit, there's a van over there. Are they going to suddenly... So, like, that feeling, I think, we've lost over the years... But I think that if Nick doesn't get in any sort of trouble, that that's like a crazy extreme. Yeah. I think Mackenzie has a big file, like this this one, tall. Yeah. It's very big, listeners. Very big. Yeah. About <laughs> relating <laughs> Nick 
Lawrence and June together. June. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. One of those, like, the boards with the red thread everywhere. Like, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. But it's just a big triangle exactly. with, like, a million threads. Yeah. Like, Tuello's board, right? Yeah. With all the people. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's very obvious. It is very obvious. Very obvious. Definitely. <laughs> and Nick and Lawrence are walking around, like, buddy buddy all the time, too, just in case, you know, it wasn't very obvious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What is the point between Lawrence and Nick? What had them in common? What do they have in common, right? Exactly. The household they lived in had one person in common. Yeah. Yeah. And Fred. Right. And the other member of that house ended up murdered. All right. Well, we definitely can't not talk about the relationship between June and Serena in this episode. I'm sure we'll discuss it a lot more in the Serena episode. But as of season five, it's definitely become the biggest relationship in the show, I think, by far. Season five was pretty much all about June versus Serena in the beginning, and then June and Serena in the middle, and then it ended with them on a train together. So I don't know. What do you guys think about June and, and Serena? What do you guys think about their relationship? I love Serena and June working together on season two. Yes, I yeah, love that. For two episodes. But I'm done with it. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like they could have turned it around in season two, but like after like the rape and how she tried to get it all back, I was like, nah. Exactly. That was the point of no yeah. return for me. But yeah. Yeah, season two, I do think that they could have successfully even turned me. Like, mm-hmm. if yeah. they just continued after, what episode is that? Like, women's work is... Seven, after the bombing? Yeah. 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 Seven. If they just kept that up with only, like, minor aggressions from Serena, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, definitely. No violent rapes, no... Yeah, when she went to get Nicole back, too. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't come back from all that. No. But they are coming back from all that. It seems like. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen next season. I just want to say that one million times because they definitely like to surprise us. But I just, whatever it is, I think, though, would probably qualify as Stockholm Syndrome, whatever. Quote, unquote, friendship has developed. I don't love that. I don't like throwing those words around either because I'm not, you know, whatever, a professional. But yeah, mm-hmm. the degree of kidnapping and rape and assault that has been put upon June directly by Serena it just can't be wiped clean. Yeah, I think their relationship is very transactional, actually, if you think about it. Like, they yeah. probably have a really true transactional relationship. Um, right. You know, anytime they are able to work together, it is... Because one of them has some goal they are trying to accomplish. So Right. And the other one is in a position where they they can help or work. It helps them a little bit to help. Right. Right. Like even think, was it in episode nine of season five when when Serena was trying to get June to like sponsor her so she could get out of jail? But you know, like that's <laughs> and she had to say, Serena, I'm not your friend. I'm not your yeah. friend. <laughs> but that's oh, like a really good example of the transactional relationship. Like she saw June as someone that could maybe help her get out of jail so she was gonna try and use that to her benefit you know like yeah mm-hmm. I, and we'll go into that more in the serena episode too but like that serena did that to rita too right she gets she invited her in to like visit her yeah. once oh before, yeah before and then she immediately <laughs> like sends all her lawyer's papers over or something i can't even remember what it was Come but it was like... take care of my baby and yeah all that yeah. oh yeah. my god yeah it's very transactional is good yeah but i think that Serena confused the bond because of the birth that mm. June helped mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's easy to do. Yeah. I- Actually, I, I'm, I would think that June was like okay with Serena. Yeah. 
but mm -hmm. moving on. And yeah. Serena has nothing in, has no one in Canada. Right, right. Literally yeah. nobody. Like we say that June's kind of alone, but like Serena's as alone as it gets. Yeah. And like we have discussed this um, before about how Serena is jealous of, of June because a lot of things. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's why Serena is always um, looking for June some way to get something from her because she yeah. admires and she she's jealous of her she is. like a lot and she does admire her like i think she'd yeah. really like to be friends with her at this point like i mean I, i'm not if they went back to gilead i'm sure she'd just as happily assault her but it, where it stands i think that tarina's greatest dream at the moment is keeping this baby and being friends with june is probably her perfect like life you know i hope to god that's not how it works out <laughs> But I do think if there was an opportunity that did arise in season six where I don't it, I don't think this is going to happen. But if it were to come to pass that Serena, OK, you can keep your baby. But the only way you can keep your baby is to turn June in or do something that would hurt June. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. She yes. would do it in a second. She's like, never going to be a real friend, even if. Never, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Yeah. She can't. She doesn't know how to love. She doesn't. Whatever she tells her in the monument, right? Doesn't she tell her she doesn't know how to love? Yes. Yeah. You're not capable of love. I forget. That's right. Whatever it is, I feel like it's actually true. She, you're right. She would turn on her in an instant to benefit herself. She would. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know where they go from that finale. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like, if, yeah. if Serena has a big role in season six and how her love for Noah will be. I don't know if she'll be as, like, resilient as June was, like, with everything. Doesn't look like it. So far from her limited experience. No. <laughs> she, she needs a diaper. And... A giant diaper? A toddler diaper? Yeah. She's needy. Yeah, she's needy. Yeah. She's very needy. She's a taker and not a giver for sure. That's why she needed Rita to come take care of the... Yes, she, exactly. And I think June is more of a giver, which is a very yeah. positive yes. thing about her personality as well. She's a giver, which is why she's able to you know, do the things she does with Serena to keep helping her in spite of, you know, yeah. better right. judgment most of the time, I would think, you know. She's a good person, you know, and that's why we like her. Yeah. I love Yvonne Strahovski, like, so much. That's just a blanket statement, because I do. Um, No buts or anything. Uh, But also, I love that she, like, everything she ever says about Serena in an interview is pretty much exactly how i feel yes and to have that like distance from your character but to be able to play her so well and understand serena so well but also have the distance from that character you know in real life to be able to say like he, she has not gotten what she deserves yet and i hope she does yeah. i'm like yes yvonne i fucking love you yeah mm -hmm. one difference that i think is very powerful is that at this point i don't think serena is a uh, such a leader like June is, you know. June inspires people to do good, and Serena is not. I, I mean, I I don't no. see Serena as a leader, a positive leader. Yeah, right. maybe a negative one, but yeah. I mean, even when she wrote her book, like I don't think she had really like that strong of like leadership capability. She just wanted her voice heard, but June definitely has ability to have other people follow her yeah 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 i agree 100 percent. we haven't delved too much into june's relationship with lawrence yet 
but it's a relationship I've always really loved. I think that June living in the same household with Lawrence and Eleanor or Joseph and Eleanor gave her an understanding for him that maybe nobody else in Gilead has and it humanized him for her and for us. And I don't know. You guys Lawrence fans? I think everybody pretty much is, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does not mean that he is excused for his crimes by any means, but he is a very uh, compelling character and I enjoy watching him. The quips and the one-liners. He's very sharp and witty like June. I think that's why oh, they funny. Yeah. They mesh so well together. Yeah. They're intellectually very similar, I think. Right. And lately I feel like he's like, I mean, am I wrong? Is he like the only comic relief? No. He was <laughs> is there because we don't get her voiceovers. Like obviously she's still funny. Um, but we don't hear it as much. Although that manger joke was solid. I liked that in season five that I would have like almost missed, you know. That was a good one. That's so good. Maybe there's a manger. <laughs> But I've, anyway, Lawrence is, I think, the funniest part of the show and a much needed addition. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but also, I was thinking that um, maybe June take Lawrence as the father figure she lacked during his uh, her childhood. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, I think I think so too. That's why she feel like connected or related to him right in a familiar way and that's why also she felt betrayed yeah by him in season five i i think right. that's why she felt uh, so hurt in episode nine of season five yeah no i agree i up until then like they have such a close relationship ongoing even after she got into canada you know like he's her first call in season four to ask what can be done about Hannah. You know, I mean, that takes a very familiar relationship to call one of the founders of Gilead and know that he's like a trustworthy person. And he has been for her this whole time until like the end of season five. And I don't fully understand that because, you know, I don't think it's consistent with the Lawrence that we've come to know. I'm not saying he's a fully changed person, but I still think that like Eleanor, what he said about wanting to fix the mess that he made for Eleanor, you know, that was genuine. And I mm -hmm. think that that's what would still be driving him. And I don't think that New Bethlehem would make sense to him because he knows the power can change hands too quickly. But um, yeah, anyway, I just I was disappointed in whatever it is he has done to work against June at the end of the fifth season. That is heartbreaking to me because I think think that that's like the only person in his life at this point that he probably really cares about is June. Yeah. I never got the impression that Lawrence was like that power hungry. Like I think he wanted a better society and I think that right. Gilead just spiraled. It was an academic exercise for him. Yeah. Like it spiraled out of control and I think that he feels a lot of responsibility and guilt for it. So yeah, having him step into this like big bad commander role was weird to see at the end of towards the end of season five for me at least. Yeah, because like even when we first meet him, I mean he doesn't care about any of the commander stuff at all. You know? No, he's already over Gilead. He likes his art and stuff. He loves his wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wants everybody to keep the fuck away from him. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> And now you're telling me that he wants all the power in Gilead. And that just, I mean, we'll obviously have a Lawrence episode and that will be very fun. Yeah. He's a great addition to the show, but. You know, earlier you mentioned June was able to read people. I think that's also why she felt so betrayed by Lawrence in season five is because she read him as, you know, she has that good in him and he does. Right. So 
she knows that he has that in him the capacity to be good he has good in his heart she's seen it we've all seen it so when now he switched like you said to the big bad commander it just feels wrong and so she's like super betrayed by that which i would be too you know she knows that I, not... I am too it doesn't feel like yeah consistent you know it doesn't you know it, she's like it, it's not him this is not the... right yeah it's not so it just feels odd so i just i think that the show loves ambiguity especially yeah. of Gilead men more than we do by far right <laughs> like I, I like the consistency of characters and not I don't need a big surprising shocker he's actually a terrible yeah. villain you know um I love Lawrence how he is as flawed as he is and he still you know cannot be absolved for his crimes but yeah. I do enjoy what I did enjoy watching him work towards maybe making a dent in those crimes by helping other people and yeah in Eleanor's memory but who knows what's going to happen next season? But I do love the June and Lawrence relationship. And Nick, like once she leaves and or not even leaves, that's when she's being tortured. Like the scene of Nick and him at the fireplace with their whiskeys. And it's, I don't know, it's a very father-in-law-esque feel. Yeah. Even though he's like threatening him, they're threatening each other with like lives and shit. But <laughs> it's a very sweet scene. He's very Gilead, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pushing a little bit yeah yeah well it's interesting that nick tries to get him there with like love you know i don't know how he knew about eleanor i am assuming that was from june somehow and that doesn't work and then he's like all right i'll take your house I'll take like, oh, <laughs> fine. all right but you're not gonna like what i'm gonna have to do to get her out of the torture box <laughs> you know it's just interesting good tv i think nick is a good people read too so yeah right true more basic maybe not just yeah. June has a big ability to read people. More complicated over yeah. Yeah. Um can I say that I still refuse to think that Lawrence has anything to do with the assassination attempt on June? Yeah, on June. Same. Yeah. Same. And if he did, I'm sorry. It no, it doesn't it doesn't work. He's not power hungry enough to try and murder the one person that he cares about. He does no. care about her. And you can see that. There's tears in his eyes when he's like talking to her on the phone. First of all, it's a show. Yes, we do know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's Bradley Whitford who is putting on this amazing acting performance. But like he cares about Lizzie, you know, and it just plays really well into the yeah. interactions between them on, you know, the show. You can see the that they care for each other. And it's a very nice layer in the show. And I don't want to see that disappear so he can be power hungry, Lawrence wants to be the whoever the fuck the head commander of Gilead is. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's up for grabs because we've never heard of it. Yay, June and Lawrence. But I think we all that loved Lawrence feel like betrayed by this yeah. change in season five. Yeah, the yeah. End of season five. Absolutely. And that's why we are not into it. No, I mean, we kind of don't accept it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but my brain just like takes that part and like yeah. throws it over to the side like i don't know the compartmentalizing <laughs> we're learning to be good at it too well it needs to fit into the puzzle <laughs> and that piece doesn't fit for me so i just put yeah. it in the doesn't fit pile and continue on my merry way and yeah. we'll see what happens next season that may make it impossible to ignore yeah i i want the first or one of the the couple first scenes in episode one of season six it's i don't know what but something that lauren's is proving like he had nothing to do with June assassinations attempts. Yeah. Or Hannah. Didn't know till it was too late. Yeah. yeah. Like 
cleaning his image again. Slate, yeah. Or if he did have to put the hit out, make it like Nick, where he had no choice in season four with the bombing. Something like that, even, I think. If it, yeah, exactly. If he, had to, if he had to make the call. Definitely that would help, I yeah. guess. But also, like, I just have this problem with... He's smarter than New Bethlehem. True. He would not trade everything for New Bethlehem because New Bethlehem couldn't change on a dime. Let's say it is his perfect Kilianian utopia that he's trying to sell. He knows that's bullshit because power changes hands in yeah. one nanosecond there. You know, he just shot Putnam. So like he knows he's been around. I just like you cannot convince me that he's like, well, I had to let the hit happen on June so that New Bethlehem can go forward because New Bethlehem, he's just smarter than that. That's my problem. The, whatever. We're going to do a Lawrence episode. Yeah. Everybody loves June and Lawrence. Yeah. They're really. We can all agree that they have like a fatherly relationship. Yes. However fucked up it may be. Definitely. Can we talk about um, Holly, June's mother, about how her personality has influence in June? That's a great idea. Because Scarlett <laughs> to talk about it. So she told me, like, can you say, please? <laughs> yeah, of course. How great was June and to become like her mother? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things. She wasn't trying to do that pretty yet, but uh -huh. she is. She's a little like it was in her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it just naturally, it organically came out. And she was like, I mean, if you'd asked her pre-Gilead or, you know, told her what was to come, she'd be like, no, no fucking way. I have no interest in that. I'm not like that. That's my mom you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that's in you. And under the correct, like, pressure, unfortunately, you become, like, as badass or more than your mom because you're like her. And I, like... Yeah. Nothing I want. I want nothing more. All right. Maybe there's a couple things I want more. <laughs> no, right. One of the top things that I want. <laughs> Careful. No. One of the things I would really like to see is Holly, like, seeing what a badass I know. her daughter turned out. That'd be amazing. That'd be so awesome. I hate that she was, like, I do. I hate thinking about Holly and, like, the colonies, thinking about how June just, like, didn't do anything as this was coming, you know, and, like, yeah, how sad she yeah. must be knowing that she's probably a handmade now and it's mm -hmm. very crushing to think that that's the last thing she'd know about her daughter yeah. certainly realistic but you know what i don't watch tv for like ultra realism i would much prefer her survive <laughs> the colonies and see yes. what a badass her daughter is for good television purposes same yes yeah because you're right I, that's such a great part of the show is the holly and picking cherry jones was just perfect i don't know i love holly mm -hmm. yeah and it's a very good point i'm glad you brought that up melissa and scarlet You had favorite quote. The one I do really liked is the quote, and I don't have it exactly, but the quote about the frog and the boiling pot, just because it's always relevant and it's always horrifying. And it, it reminds me all the time that, you know, you always have to stay aware of what's going on. Yeah. And you don't want to be complacent. Yeah. That was my favorite one too. Yeah. I wish I'd written down the scene, the quote where June's in the car with Serena and the window's a little bit open and she's calling her a fucking like monster and all the things. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite quote that's a great one too <laughs> all right i think that's a wrap on our discussion of june osborne see like i figured we would delve into june's flaws quite a bit because we're bored waiting for season six but i just want to reiterate that she's been through enough trauma in seven years to turn her into the worst villain of all time and if selfishness is her biggest crime against the good guys then she has that right and i'm pretty sure june wouldn't give a fuck what we think anyway so 
come back in two weeks for our discussion of Nick, which promises to be another long one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.